This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. If you've served in the military, veteran in the military, just stand up right where you are and let us recognize you. Let's give these a big hand. All right. Come on, let's give them a big hand. Amen. We thank God for you. Thank you for your service and... and uh, Man, this, that's one of the reasons we can just come and meet, right? We, we take it for granted here. Not, not everywhere around the world do, do people have the privilege and can they uh, worship God openly and freely how they see fit. But we can, in a large part, due to those who sacrificed on our behalf and they kept us free. Amen. So we're, we're thankful for that. So thankful for that. We are beginning a brand new series this morning and... Um, Man, I'm pumped up about this, and, and, and so this is one thing that I've, I've found out about uh, my relationship with Christ, my relationship with God, is that not, not forever in my life have I had a good image of God, not the right image of God. You know, if you grew up and, and you were told something about God and you just kind of swallowed, especially if it came from you know, if you sat in a pew or you sat in a chair and you heard a preacher say something about God and you just kind of swallowed that and, yeah, that's what God's like. And uh, you, you have a, a wrong image of him. And, and so over the, over the years, I've just, you know, I've, I've really endeavored to see the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible. You know, what a person thinks of God, what comes, what comes into a person's mind when they think about God is the most important thing about that person. You have to, I mean, think about it this way. If you, have a wrong, if you have wrong thinking about God, if you have a wrong image of God, it will, it will have an effect on the way you believe. So, so wrong thinking results in wrong believing. Wrong believing results in wrong talking or confession or action. It, and, and if you have wrong confession, Jesus said you'll have what you say. And so if you have wrong saying, well, you're going to reap a wrong harvest in your life, something that you really don't want. So it's so important that you and I, we have our minds renewed according to the Word of God. What do you mean by that? That we begin to think in line with God's Word. And we don't think in line with someone else's experience. You realize this, someone else, I mean, they could have totally missed God. And we don't, we don't go by someone else's experience or lack of experience because they could have totally missed it with God. You and I, we have to get our thinking straightened out by the Word of God. What does the Word say? You know, Jesus, and it's really not, it's really not that important what other people say about him. You know, Jesus came to his disciples one day and said, hey, who do, who do people saying that I am? And they say, well, some say you're this, and some say you're this person, some say you're that. And then he just looked at him and said, who do you say that I am? It's important who you say he is. But it's important that you discover who he is. And you just don't come up with that information. Well, I think, you know, you notice this, that people, they, they're thinking a lot lately. And they're feeling a lot Like, Well, I just think. Well, I just feel it doesn't matter what you think, what well, does, but you need to get your thinking from the right source. I just think, I just feel, well, what difference does it make? What does the Word of God say? What does God say about himself? 
Who does God say that he is? And whoever he says he is, that's the way you and I need to think no matter what it looks like in our life right now. That's the way that we need to think. And if you'll begin to think right, you'll begin to believe right. And it won't happen overnight. But if you begin to think right, you'll begin to believe right. If you begin to believe right, you'll begin to carry yourself different. Your actions will be different. What you say will be different. Your expectation will be different. You'll begin to expect something that you haven't expected before. You'll begin to anticipate something that you haven't anticipated before. But it all, it all comes back to this, getting our mind renewed, getting our stinking thinking straightened out, especially about God. Amen. So I want to pray for us. And boy, I, I had a great time in prayer early this morning. And uh, man, I, I, I bound the devil all up. It was so good. There was so much unction on it, so much anointing on it. I just binding the devil, that deceiving spirit that would come and deceive us and blind us to the word of God and keep us in a religious thinking and religious spirit working in our life and working against us and, and keeping us out of God's best for our life. So he's bound. So if you feel any irritation coming up in you during the message, you need to know this. That's the devil. Say, get on down, devil. Get down. Get back. I'm here to receive the word of God. So let me pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for uh, open hearts, receptive hearts. Thank you for eyes that see. And Lord, we want only what you have for us. Not what we've necessarily heard in the past, but what you have for us today. And if what you have for us today even challenges what we've heard in the past, Lord, we ask that the glorious light of the gospel of Christ would shine unto us and be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, we choose today to embrace the truth, not tradition, but truth. We choose it in Jesus' name, amen. So we're beginning a brand new series. We're calling it Generous God, Generous people. And speaking of generous people, I just want to say thank you to all of you who, who blessed Tammy and I. We got just cards, encouragement cards, and gifts, and, and we thank you so much for that during the Pastor Appreciation Month. And, and you're a blessing, and I'm looking at generous people, so we thank you for them from the bottom of our heart. And so I, I want to introduce this, this series. It's only three parts. We're going to be in this three parts. And I want to introduce this with this scripture. Man, I just think this fits it perfect. In 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 8 and 10. Verse 8 says, and God will generously provide all you need. And some of you ought to just, I mean, I mean, you ought to just get so happy right now. I mean, with those six words or seven words, I mean, you ought to just, you ought to be going, Yeah! Yes. I mean, y'all just get happy right there. It's only when you get happy about the word that it's going to work for you. If you sit there like a bump on a stump and, oh, I've heard this before, and you don't get excited about the word, you ain't heard it like you're supposed to hear it yet. I 
man, I can, I can hear somebody preach on Mark eleven twenty three. 23. I've probably heard 5,000 messages on Mark eleven twenty three 23, and 24. And man, I still get excited about what? Because truth never gets old. Revelation never gets old. It still excites. Why? Because it's life-giving. So let's try this again. <laughs> and if it, even if you don't feel it, just make us think like you're feeling it. And God will generously provide all you need. Yeah. That's it right there. Man, I, I was reading, you know, just kind of meditating on this for the last few weeks. And man, just stick right here on this verse and just get so happy about this. He'll generously provide all you need. Then, <laughs> I like this, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. This is verse 10. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Amen. Amen. So notice what he said. Notice what he said about himself. Now, this script, these scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit. This isn't, just, this isn't Paul talking. This is Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is God's word to us. And what did God say? That he would generously provide all that we need. Now, there are people that would just, they'll just stand against this. And I've mentioned this before, and it is the absolute truth. It is the absolute truth. And we'll get into it. Let me just mention this to you. In the beginning, God created the the world and the fullness thereof. He said, the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to me. He said, the gold and the silver are mine. And then he created Adam, and he gave Adam dominion over the earth and the fullness thereof. Cattle on a thousand hills, the gold and the silver. And then Adam committed high treason. And he sold out to the devil, sold out to Satan. He took that, he, he, he shifted. And, and you know, in 2 Corinthians 4 says that Satan became the god of this world. And so now, now Satan, as the god of this world, he wants to control the cattle on a thousand hills. And he wants to control the gold and the silver. And he, will, he doesn't like when somebody preaches the word on this and brings revelation, why? Because it, 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 it undermines his authority and it puts him on really shaky ground of what he controls. And he wants to control the silver and the gold and the cattle on a thousand hills and the earth and its fullness. He wants to control it. He's the God of this world. But you and I have been given authority in Jesus' name. 
And so he'll, he'll fight and he'll manipulate. Why? Because you know, you know what the devil's will is? That every single person in here would never have enough. That we would never have enough. He would be pleased if we starved, if we didn't have clothes. He would be pleased if we couldn't play or pay our bills. He would be pleased if we never had enough. Why? Because he is the thief, right? And he wants to control it, especially people that want to do something good with it. He just, he, he, he'll just fight for it. And so I've seen people just get, boy, just get mad. I mean mad. Trying to bring good news, just get mad about this. I mean preachers get mad about this. But I don't, I don't care what a preacher says. I'm going with God. I'm going to go with God. I'm going to go with the word of God. I'm going to get my thinking right. And when my thinking gets right, my believing's going to be right. And then I'm going to walk around right. And I'm going to talk right. And I'm going to have what I say. And you know, some folks, they walk around, they talk about how broke they are. So broke, can't pay attention. Ha ha. And yes, and they, they put it on, on the bumper sticker. I mean, if you got one on your bumper, if you got a bumper sticker like that, you ought to peel that thing off as soon as you leave church. I mean, don't ever let anybody think you that bad off. Well, I am that bad off. Well, it's time to turn it around then. And you turn it around with your thinking and your believing and your talking. So what kind of God is he? <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of God do you serve? Well, I, I mentioned this Wednesday night. I like walking around sometimes and, you know, David said, Oh, God, you're my God. Early will I seek you. My flesh longs for you. I thirst for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Sometimes I just like walk around saying, Oh, God, you're my God. You're my God. Now, what, who was God to Israel? He was their protector. He was their healer. And he was their provider. That's what he did for his people. When the whole world, when everybody, every nation around them was suffering, Israel did not suffer. When everybody else was getting sick, Israel was getting healed. When everybody else didn't have anything, Israel had something. Right? I said, God, you're my God. So what kind of God is he? Number one, he's a provider. He's a provider. Everybody say he's a provider. Notice 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God will provide all you need. He's going to provide all you need. Man, I'm so thankful that God's provided for us. I mean, he's been faithful to Tammy and I and our family. He's provided for us. And look, just because I don't get up here and I don't talk about all the hard times, me talking about the hard times, you need to know this. Sometimes we have hard times. Sometimes we have trouble. Sometimes we have affliction. But me to get up and talk to you about that is not giving you the answer to come out. You need the truth. You need to know this, and so I don't have to talk about it all the time. Sometimes we have trouble. But just because I don't get up and talk about the trouble doesn't mean that we have trouble. You need to know sometimes Pastor Chuck has trouble, but I'm not going to talk about the trouble. I'm going to talk about the answer. I'm going to talk about what Jesus did for me. 
well, people need to know that you go through it too. If you don't know that I go through stuff, you're stupid. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you're on the planet, <laughs> if you're on planet Earth, you go through stuff. That should not be a revelation to anybody. Well, that preacher probably never has any problem. Are you kidding me? If you live on this planet, you go through stuff. But talking about the stuff isn't going to bring you out. Talking about the answer is going to bring you out. He's a provider. I got to get going. This is going to turn into a six-week series. Okay. In Genesis 22, um, I'll just kind of go through the story and then we'll go to one verse. But you know that God had promised Abram a son that would carry on his seed and eventually be, uh, you know, the same genealogy that Jesus came through, the promise. And so for 25 years... Abram's waiting patiently on this promise. And then finally, at 100 years old, and his wife, at 90 years old, conceived. So they waited long enough. Yeah, they did. But she was barren, so she conceived, and she bore a son, Isaac. And boy, Abram loved that boy. He, he loved that boy. I mean, this, this boy was the son of promise. This, this is, man, this is what he's, man, he had his faith stake in the ground for this boy. And when this boy came along, Abram was in love. He, he loved this boy. And uh, God got to thinking, he might love this boy more than he loves me. And, uh, and so God told Abram, he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your son, your only son. Does that sound familiar? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I want you to take it. You see, if, he, if Abram wouldn't have done that, God couldn't have done what he did. He said, I want you to take your son, your only son, I want you to offer up to me. And uh, Hebrews says, because, you know, Abram's mentioned in Hebrews a couple of times. Hebrews said that Abram, by faith, received his son back to life again. I mean, he's thinking, if I go through with this and and I take my son's life and I sacrifice him to the Lord, God's going to raise him from the dead because this is the promise. Well, that, that man had some faith. He wasn't even saved and he had faith. And so Abram took, he took his next morning. I mean, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Next morning, he got up, he got his son, they gathered some wood, they went up on the mountain where the Lord showed him where he was going to make the sacrifice. And, and Isaac said, hey, Dad, we got the wood, we got everything for the fire, where's the sacrifice? And uh, Abram said it in Genesis 22, 8. He said, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. 
And in the meantime, he took Isaac and he strapped him to the, to the altar. And he said, I'm not a sheep. Well, you are today. <laughs> and you know the story. He raised, he raised the knife and then the angel of the Lord spoke to him. He said, don't do the child any harm. For now that I know, now that I know. And about that time, Abram turns around and he sees a, he sees a ram caught in the, the thicket. I mean, just like the Lord said. And so, and so in Genesis 22, 14, it says this, that Abram called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will, and that, that, that name, you see, God reveals himself through his names. That name Jehovah Jireh, or it's really Jehovah Yireh, but that wouldn't rhyme with the song. Jehovah Yuri, it means the Lord will provide. And so he revealed himself to Abram as the provider. And since he, God never changes, if he was the provider way back then, if you were to sit down with an interview and, have, and put Abraham and say, hey, hey Abraham, I don't have Mike, Abraham, uh, what kind of God is God? Well, all I know is he's a provider. That's all I can tell you about him. He's a provider. Yeah, but Abraham, some people say, well, I don't know what other people say. All I know is that he's a provider. He provided for me. This word, this word provider, the Lord will provide, is where we get our word provision. Provision's two words. Pro, meaning before, P-R-O means before, and vision means to see. And so when he says he's the prior, it means to see before. I mean, it was like this. If you, if you came and said, hey, Pastor Chuck, you know what? The Lord's really put on my heart to, to invite you and Tammy over to the house, and, and we're going we're gonna to do a steak dinner at the house. That wasn't a hint. And uh, what kind of steak do you like? I mean, do you like USDA Prime or do you like that lower cut? And so what, what, do you do? what are you doing? You are making provision. What do you, have? you have to see ahead. You have to see before and then you have to Prepare it. If we were having a picnic, you would get a head count. How many people are going to be at the, what are you doing? You're seeing before. And that's what God did. He, he is the God who sees ahead. I mean, you think as soon as, as soon as Abraham said, all right, I'll take the boy up. God put that goat in motion. He began to direct the steps of that, that, that goat up to the mountain, yeah. right, to that thicket. And I mean, and Abraham and Isaac, they're on their way, and that goat's on its way, or that sheep or that ram, whatever it is, on its way. I mean, as soon as you take steps of obedience, as soon as you take steps of faith where you're saying, God is my provider, as soon as you begin to take steps, I tell you what, he begins to maneuver, 
uh, provision for you. I mean, angels influence people. I mean, he moves on people's hearts by his Holy Spirit. And I tell you what, he begins to, but if you say, I don't know, God, you know, whatever he wants. You can't, you can't live your life by whatever he wants. That's, that's irresponsible. Find out what he wants. Find out what his will is. It's not mysterious. He's not hiding it for you. If you got busy just looking in that Bible that you got in your lap and find out what God's got for you, what his will is for you, and live according to that, things would get a whole lot better. But this nonsense about, well, I'm going to just see what the Lord wants, you're not, that is dumb. Find out what he wants and then begin to act on that. Do that. So as soon as you, oh, God is my provider. As soon as that comes out of your mouth, from your heart, God is my provider, I tell you, he begins to maneuver provision for you. Everybody say he's a provider. What kind of God is he? He's a provider. Number two, what kind of God is he? He's a generous <laughs> provider. We're not moving off of it too far. He's a generous provider. Notice what the scripture says in, in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God will provide just enough. Are you sure? God will provide just enough for you to get by. No, he will generously provide. Generously provide. Everybody say generously provide. You know, this is the God I serve. He's not tight-fisted. He's holding on. No, he's liberal. He's open-handed. He's liberal. He's not not a miser. I mean, he's he's liberal. He's generous. What kind of God is he? He's a generous provider. You know, we can learn a lot through Old Testament types and shadows. And so a lot of times we, we look at Israel. Israel was a type of the church. And so when Israel was in slavery, 400 years in slavery in Egypt, they were living in the land of not enough. They didn't have enough food. They didn't have good enough living conditions. They didn't have good enough clothes. They were overworked. I mean, they were a slave nation. They lived in the land of not enough. And then God, through Moses, took Moses as a deliverer, and he brought the children of Israel out of, uh, out of Egypt into the wilderness on their way to the promised land, which they stayed in that wilderness for 40 years. It's a 40-day trip. It took them 40 years to get out. And you know why? Just, just nonsense talking about God murmuring and complaining whining crying we're tired of this bread we're tired they had watermelons and stuff back there in Israel and there's plenty to eat and we and we had this kind of food over there and we they forgot where they came from and so they they came over here and and so then now they're living in the they, they get out in the wilderness and God gives them Manna, but they had to gather just enough to eat that day because they waited, it was going to spoil. They were in the land of just enough. 
Now, some of you said, man, I wished I lived there. I, I wished I lived in the land of just enough. I'd be happy. I'm in the land of not enough. I don't ever, uh, my, my check never makes it to the end. I'd love to be in the land of just enough. Well, it sure beats not enough, but it's not God's perfect will for you. Just enough is not God's perfect will. It beats not enough, but it's not God's perfect will. And so God's plan all along was to bring them out of the land of not enough through the land of just enough into the land of more than enough. That was God's will all along. So when they finally got to the promised land, you know, in, in, in Egypt, they had to water their feet. They had to, you know, kick out trenches with their feet to get the water to flow. They got over into the promised land. They received rain from heaven. They didn't have to build any kind of irrigation system. It just rained on them, right? You, you're talking about, the, I mean, just easy. The favor of God. And that's God's plan for you and I, not just to not have enough and not just to have enough, but he's a generous provider. Everybody say a generous provider. In Psalm 23, 1 through 6 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Some people, well, you know, I know the Lord supply my needs, but what about, you know, he, not my wants. Well, right here he said, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, I got just enough. I got just enough. He goes on to say, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I know we read this at funerals, but this isn't a funeral verse. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is half full. <laughs> Are you sure? My cup's all the way up to the brim. That would be just enough, right? Now, what do you say? My cup runs over. I wish my cup was running over. But it don't run over by wishing. It runs over by believing. I wish my cup would run over. Well, quit, quit wishing. Start believing. If you'll do what I tell you to do today, right at the end of this message, you, I tell you, I mean, your, your cup's going to start going, whoop. That water's going to start rising in your cup. It's going to get all the way up to the brim. And you keep on. Why? Because God's, God's not pleased, really. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't mean he's not pleased with you. He doesn't love you. He's not slighting you. But his perfect will for your life is when the water gets all over the table and the floor. When your cup runs over. I'm not saying if it's not that he loves you less, I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying that we should love or care for anyone less that doesn't live up to this. We're all, none of us have made it, we're all pressing on. We're all reaching. We're all using our faith to come up, right? And so he says, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he, he's the God of, he, he, he's a generous, he's a generous provider. Number three, 
this might bless you. What kind of God is he? He's a too much God. He's, a, he's, he's too much. I want you to think about his character. Doesn't God know when the cup is full? Does God know when the cup is full? Well, if he knows the cup is full, why does he keep pouring in the cup? I mean, isn't that wasteful to keep pouring in the cup when the cup is full and, the, and, the, and it gets all over the table and runs off on the floor and runs out the door? I mean, isn't, I mean doesn't God know when the cup is full? Yeah, then why does he keep pouring in? Because that's the kind of God he is. He is a too much kind of God. He's a too much kind of God. I think about this. In, um, Jesus told his disciples, you know, they had been fishing. They'd been fishing all night long, and they, they got through fishing, and they, they came in, and they they were, they were washing their nets, and, and Jesus said, hey, y'all didn't catch anything? They said, no. He said, well, go back out there and throw your nets on the other side. And Peter said, well, Lord, we've, we fished all night long. We're tired. We didn't catch anything. We're tired. They're not biting today. They're, they're, not, even, they're not even in the same region today. There's no fish in this pond today. But we'll do it at your word. We'll go ahead and do it. And so they went and they threw the net out. And verse, uh, notice this, it says, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. Well, so I so said they should have used more nets. Maybe so. But I don't know. I mean, you can use all the nets you want to, but if you catch enough fish and not only are the nets breaking, but the boat begins to sink. You got some fish. I mean, you got so many fish. I mean, the water's coming over the top of the boat. I mean, doesn't God know how, how, how many fish that net will hold before it starts breaking? Doesn't God know how many fish that boat will hold before it starts sinking? Then how come he gives them enough fish to break the net and sink the boat. Why would he do that? Because that's just the kind of God he is. And I'm sure Jesus is sitting on, say it, don't spray it. I'm sure Jesus is sitting on the, he's sitting on the shore up there. He's just laughing. He's probably just giggling at him. Man, the net, they're pulling on that net. It's ripping apart. They're pulling the nets in the boat. And the boat's riding low in the water. Jesus is probably just laughing at him. Why? Because that's the kind of God he is. He's a provider. He's a generous provider. He's a too much God. Amen. He's too much. Well, I wish I could get him to do something for me. You don't have to get him to do anything for you. All you've got to do is just begin to think like this. It's real easy. Just begin to think like this. I mean, it doesn't, the thing doesn't, situation doesn't have to change overnight. Just changes in you. Changes in your thinking. Right now. Just change. Just begin to think different. Begin to believe different. Begin to talk different. I mean, if somebody said, hey, how are the finances going? Don't go, well, 
it's just so hard. You didn't do yourself any good right there. It may be hard. You, feel, you, may, feel like, you may feel like you're under the barrel. You may have bills stacked this high on your kitchen table that you can't pay. What in the world good is whining and crying going to do about it? You may have gotten yourself into so much debt that there is, you, you can't see how you can pay that debt off in 50 years. What in the world good is crying about it going to do you? Whining about it, complaining about it, wishing you'd never done it. What good's that going to do? None. It's not going to do any good. I'll tell you what would do good. Well, you know, I, I made a mess of my stuff. Well, now you got a need. Well, I made a mess. You know, like the Bible says, you, you made your bed, sleep in it. Y'all know that scripture? <laughs> Y'all remember that one? <laughs> it's not a scripture. It's not a scripture. You made a mess. All right, you got a need. That is a genuine need. You wrecked your finances. You were irresponsible. You made dumb decisions. Now you got a need. And what do we know about God? He's a generous God. He's a provider. What do we know about him? We'll look in a minute. Y'all say this when you say, God is a cup overflowing, net breaking, boat sinking, 12 baskets left over, generous provider. We didn't get to that one. You remember the little boy offered, they said, hey, Jesus said, we got anything to feed these people around here? Uh, well, we can go into the city. No, he said, don't go into the city. That lets me know they had money. They're going to go into the city and buy enough for 5,000 people. Have you, ever, have you ever provided for 5,000 people before? A picnic for 5,000 people? He said, do you want us to go in and buy it? And he said, no, don't go in and buy it. Just what do you have among you? Uh, we got this little boy. He's got this basket. Got his personal picnic with a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. But what's that? When we got so many, Jesus, I'll just tell the people to sit down in groups of 50. All right, now what? He said, just begin to pass it out. And I mean, Jesus blessed it. They began to, the disciples began to pass it out to the people. And everybody said, well, I don't believe that. Well, you don't believe in miracles? Sorry about that, I do. You'll, you'll never be interrupted by one. You'll never be bothered by one. You'll never be bothered by God's provision or multiplication if you don't believe it. And so they fit, everybody got full, laying back on that grass, fat and happy. Just laying back, just taking a nap under the sun. And, and Jesus said, hey, gather up everything so nothing goes to waste. And they, they brought 12 baskets, one for each of the disciples, 12 baskets. And I'm just certain they gave it back to the little boy. I mean, it was his. So everybody say it, say God is, an, is a cup overflowing, net breaking, boat sinking, 12 baskets left over, 
generous provider. That's who he is. I want you to memorize a verse this week in Philippians 4.19. Maybe you've already memorized but I want you to say it about 50 times a day. I don't mean machine guns say it. You know what I mean by that? So the scripture is, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I want you to say that about 50 times a day. But not, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all, not, not like that. I mean, say it. Say it. Think about what you're saying. Close your eyes. Say, but my God shall supply all my needs according to my job. No. According to his riches, his ability, his resources in glory. So we all do that. You see, this will help you. Say it 50 times a day for the next seven days. Man, you're going to come bouncing up in here next week. You're going to have a big smile on your face. You're going to be, whoo! You're going to be all fired up. And it may not have anything changed on the outside, but something changed on the inside. And I tell you what, when something begins to change on the inside, it'll eventually come out on the outside. 3 John 2, y'all hush. 3 John 2 says this, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You're not going to do good on the outside until you're doing good on the inside. And one thing about it, if you say this 50 times a day for the next seven days, I mean your soul, your thinking, the way you think will begin to prosper and you'll begin to think in line with God's Word. And when you think in line with God's Word, it's going to change your believing. And when your believing changes, your talking's going to change. And when your talking's going to change, your finances are going to begin to change and your circumstance is going to change because he is a generous generous provider I want you to think about this God is so generous and he's so benevolent and he's, he's so merciful and he's so kind that when you and I didn't deserve anything Romans 8, my favorite scripture in the Bible says, For he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? That is a good verse. But he gave us Jesus. The most valuable thing he had. He didn't withhold him. And why? Number one, so that we could be saved. So that we could be born again. So that we could have an eternity in God's presence. So I want to pray for you in here. And, and look, if you, if, if you didn't hear anything else that I said today, or you're more than interested in anything else I said, be interested in this. You need a Savior. God provided one for you. And you don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have to check off any marks. All you have to do is believe and receive him. So if you're in here today and you've never been born again, 
I would like to pray for you. Or if you, you let me say it like this, if, you, if you're in here and you've never given, given Jesus your whole heart and your whole life, I want to pray for you. 